You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact handy carrying case and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade the other handle has the saw that comes with it so i use the saw to split the pelvis and i use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out right so uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple very easy and the the knife is sharp and uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. You are listening to Tales from the Field, presented by Outdoor Edge. Stories, tips, tactics, and in-depth conversations coming to you from industry leaders. Let's get into the show. So, everybody, welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Zach Harold, and today we have Fred Bohm on the podcast. Fred, how's it going? Not too bad, Zach. Thanks for having me on again. Man, I am. I'm jacked to have you on. You know, you had. Uh, you've been having a great season so far. I saw that great big bull that you shot come through, come through the feed. And then I saw an elk in Wyoming and I just was like, man, I am so excited to just chat with Fred about how his season's going and, and, uh, some of the, you know, some of your preparation and things like that. Cause you know, obviously, especially when you get, I mean, you prepare every year, right. But it seems like when you get 
say a mountain goat tag or a mountain sheep or, or big, you know, bighorn sheep or, or whatever else, kind of like a, I don't know that, that it's really once in a lifetime, but for some, we, some people it obviously could be, you know, li- literally for me, for instance, I, I, I haven't got the sheep bug and I don't know if it's cause I haven't hunted them yet or whatever. Uh, you know, I filmed some of it, but I've never actually had the tag and I have, I don't know, 13, 14 points in Wyoming. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, this will be great. Whenever I do draw, I'll go up, I'll go hunt it. If I get one, cool. If I don't, cool. And that's it. <laughs> I have zero desire to go spend thousands and thousands of dollars to go hunt sheep somewhere else. So, um, yeah. So kind of walk me through, um, Number one, what was it like when you when you opened up that email and you're like, "Holy shit, I drew a sheep tag." <laughs> yeah, yeah, Matt. And no, that is for the elk. You know, I think those are actually a consolation prize from the hunting gods after uh, after the ram hunt itself. So <laughs> appreciate that. But yeah, I think that I, I think I was crying so much that you know after that hunt that the hunting gods were like, "Do we better give this guy something, or he's going to quit the sport?" So yeah, I mean this. To start it off, man, it was crazy. It was funny. The unit I actually hunted, um, the, you know, I got the Rocky Mountain Bighorn sheep tag. I was in there in the spring, and I was up there with a buddy, and we were out just out shed hunting because we typically shed hunt that unit anyway. We're up there taking a midday break up pie dot cell service. And uh, what I ended up doing, you know, he, he sat down and he's like, oh, you know, I think the uh, – we should be getting a notification today if we got a tag or not. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, you know, he looked at that and it's, uh, he, you know, he didn't draw whatnot. So I'm like, yeah, what the hell? I jumped on mine and took a look at that. And sure as hell, man, it says, uh, congratulations. You, uh, you pulled your sheep tag and that turned into one from a scouting tr- or a, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, sorry, man. I'm, I'm actually reading your thing here. No, you're good. <laughs> you want to start this? Okay. Okay. But yeah, so I'm reading. No, so it went from a, uh, you know, we we're just out looking around for uh, sheds and whatnot. And it went from that and went to a scouting trip in a real hurry. So yeah, it got serious in the spring. As soon as I found out about that, it, uh, you know, it was balls to the wall after that. Yeah, man. I, I could imagine, you know, you, uh, like you say, you look on there and you're like, holy hell, here I have a tag that I honestly really didn't count on. You know, I mean, you you apply for a tag and, and much like I do, I would assume you probably look at Go Hunt or whatever else and or the, or the state itself and you see, well, I have X amount of points. It requires this many points. I'm not going to draw this year anyways, <laughs> you know? Yep. So at some point it's like, yeah. man, I got lucky. Wow. Now what? You know, <laughs> that, that was exactly it. You know, and, and with Colorado, what's weird is you get your weighted points, right? So three years is what it takes even before you can jump into the pool. So I had that. And, you know, honestly, I think, gosh, I'm trying to remember, it was seven points altogether. So three weighted, um, and then there's the four regular points. So my odds weren't great compared, you know, to other guys out there. I mean, they, I think they got like 20 some odd points, you know, they're, they're going in on that, but you do have a chance. Your, your, your name is thrown into that hat. Heck that's, 
the year before uh, in that same unit, I met a guy who had three weighted and zero points um, above and beyond that. So he essentially just had the, the minimum you could possibly do to get in. And he pulled the tag. So it does happen. It, I mean, it's extremely rare. Obviously, you know, the more you weigh, you know, it's you're, the better your chances are. But yeah, I really pulled this one out of my ass. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. You know, I, I did not, you know, there's a ton of other guys I'm sure that are furious with me for pulling that only with seven points altogether. But, you know, so it goes. I mean, the luck was with me at that point. And uh, like I said, it, yes, it did get serious. And all of a sudden, every single weekend from there to the hunt was going to be just filled with scouting. It was going to be getting into the mountains, trying to find the band of sheep. You know, at that point, I had talked to some other outfitter guys, you know, other guys that had hunted that unit, and a lot of them were telling me, they're like, you know what, man, don't get yourself frustrated, don't go in there before the 4th of July. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, there's no possible way, because I mean, now mind you that the hunt starts August 1st, so if I went in the 4th of July, that's not a ton of time in my, you know, simple mind at at that time. (laughs) To, you know, go in there and get the scouting done. So I started, I think, what did we find out? The end of May, I scouted, you know, June, July, uh, you know, it, the whole time, like the end of May, like it was a weekend after weekend of scouting. But the problem is going in that early, they weren't really out of the trees yet. They were, you know, we didn't find anything in the beginning. So it was, I should have taken those guys, their, their suggestion, chill out until about, you know, early July, then start getting in there and you'll start finding some of the rams. But of course, I'm a knucklehead, you know, it completely just went balls the ball with it, went in too early, just being stubborn. And uh, uh, it got myself a little frustrated in the beginning. But yeah, as July started to kick in, we started finding some good rams in there. Gotcha. So what did, uh, I mean, you know, once again, I, I stated I've never had a mountain goat tag, um, but w- do you, I mean, are you going at that as basically, you know, when you're scouting and everything like that, are you going at that in the same sense as scouting for say mule deer or elk or something like that? Or is it, or is there a little bit different because of the species and the terrain and things like that and, and, and their movement? Cause I mean, obviously, I mean, as you know, you've shot, you've shot mule deer before, but typically you find a mule deer after july 4th maybe july 20th and they're pretty dang close to that area unless something very unforeseen happens like a fire or people push them out or wolves or whatever else they're pretty dang close um but from what i understand it seems like sheep kind of just go wherever the hell they want (laughs) a lot of truth to that yeah yeah and there is you know you do treat it different in the sense of like you were saying earlier it's not necessarily a once in a lifetime tag, but I mean, you know, by the time I pull that tag again, I, I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, too old to be able to handle that type of terrain. It, it, it's right. serious business when you're in there. So to that, you know, when I was looking at it at that point, there was a ton of internal pressure on myself. Like you have to get this done. There's no excuses. you got to get this. you got to get this. And honestly, when you start putting that upon yourself, you it know, sucks, it, it's good man. to a certain extent, but then you, you it does. You just start losing sight of why, why you're in there to begin with. So, yes, that did start to happen. I started putting a lot of pressure on myself. Um, but, yeah, you, you do – so that's, that's one way you do treat it different. The other way is like exactly what you're saying. You're 100% spot on with that. You know, when I find a mule deer, I could typically, you know, 
unless, like you said, there's a fire, people, there's too much pressure and they're bumping them out of there, something, you know, extenuating circumstances like that, you're going to find them in the basically the same area you saw them in July. They don't move a whole ton. These things, man, the mountain range is their home. There's not a, it's not a valley. It's not a basin. The range is their home. So you may find them, you know, in July, and, that, and that's great. You at least could get uh, – um, Get in there, get the reconnaissance going, get the, you know, get an inventory of what kind of animals, what size, age class, all that type of stuff, animals that are in there. But man, come opening day, you know, you want to be in there a bunch of days before opening day and try to locate that band because, geez, God knows where they're going to be. Right. Yeah. And, and like you say, it's not, it's not a, hey, here's this basin this aspen pocket that this buck calls home <laughs> and and yeah. i'm just gonna figure out what he does every hour of every day and then i'm gonna go in there and i'm gonna kill that deer it's like well here is 15 miles worth of mountain range with all these draws and fingers and basins and you know the sheep are up there somewhere <laughs> yeah that's it man it's 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 frustrating in that sense but the part that it could be, you know, knowing the fact that they move so much, you could be in a certain basin and knowing that they're not there today, there's a good, not a good chance. There's a chance that a band could walk into that basin tomorrow. So whereas, you know, like you get into a basin with mule deer or elk or something like that and, you know, they're not there, you, you, you may just pack up your stuff and go on to the next one because they, maybe they got blown out or whatnot. But this, sometimes you could almost play that game as well as having them come into you. Right, right, exactly. And, and much like, probably probably more like you would almost hunt like a whitetail or something that you're hunting over feed. You know, it's like, for whatever reason, here they come. We, you know, whatever they like about this basin or it's just that time of, of the week or that time of the month, they're coming back to this basin. And then at that point, I would assume you kind of set up and do some type of ambush style hunting. But, you know, walk me through your your ram hunting season and, and some of your encounters and and some of the some of the lessons that you learned and, and how it all went for you. Totally. So I'll tell you, I got in a couple days before the opener, and the, the day before the opener, I knew my luck was screwed. What ended up happening, I got myself in this perfect saddle where I can look into two different basins. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. And I had seen that throughout the summer. You know, I knew that was a good area. I had that marked on my onyx. Um, so I go in there and I sit there. You know, my bow is down in my tent. It's not, you know, the next day is opening day. So I'm just kind of sitting there. And then I just hear some rocks moving. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Sure enough, I got a band of um, seven rams just walking right at me. And I got this. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm filming this on my phone. I just had my phone up against my chest, barely moving. One of them being, the first one being a shooter for sure. Nice, nice ram. They walk within, I'm trying, it was like 13 yards of me. Oh, no my gosh. I'm up against the rocks. I know. So I'm totally, there's no, you know, I'm not silhouetted. I'm up against this rock. The wind was perfect. They knew something was there, but they didn't know what I was. It was that early morning light. So they, you know, they, it wasn't like I was gleaming and, you know, shining. I'm filming this whole thing and they're right there. And then once they leave, I tell myself, I'm like, you, dude, you are screwed. Cause there is never going to be a time again during the season, maybe your life 
that something is going to walk that close to you, and it's the day before the open. So I'm just, I don't know what to do. So at this point, I'm like, you're going to have to bust your ass so hard for the rest of the season because that, I promise you, will never happen again. So it did. You know, I mean, the season went, and we didn't, after that, I don't think I saw a Ram for, you know, one of my buddies came in and helped. I had a couple guys come in, um, you know, give me a hand. One, you know, one of my buddies, Joe, he was in for, gosh, I think he did, altogether like 30 days in with me between scouting and actually being in there, you know, a lot of great help in there, but there was days after that, you know, that encounter the day before didn't see a soul work, you know, jumping bases going all over the place on and on and on. And, you know, at this point I had three target uh, Rams that I, you know, I had decided at that point, one of those three is the only ones I was going to target. And sure as heck, I, I gosh, I, I think we're on day eight, maybe at this point. Um, end up seeing the band, and, and three of them were in that band. Two of them had joined together. Two uh, two bands of eight Rams joined together for sixteen of them. Stalkable spot, this full deal. We circumnavigate the mountain. I mean, you're not talking just you know little little hikes up and down. You go down 1,400 feet, back up 1,400 feet. And this is just the valley where you got to that took you 4,000 feet to get up to, or maybe a little bit less, like 3,000 and change to get up to where you were camping. So, I mean, this is big every day, you know, just getting your ass handed to you. So, anyway, jump over to the other side of the canyon, put a stalk on these guys, had a perfect shot at this ram now. and It's steep shooting. There's no doubt about it with rams. You're getting some, you know, I think if I remember right, the um, – uh, the range finder saying, I think it was about 36 degrees downhill. So I take a shot at one. And to be honest with you, even looking back right now, and I have a little bit of footage of it. Um, I don't know where else I would have placed the arrow differently. I thought it was a perfect shot. We watch him go off. He kind of lays down. Uh, he's bleeding for a while, but we're watching him getting up, laying down. And it's about two hours. We're able to watch him. And I'm like, you know, sure as hell he's going to be dead. He's dying. Right. Two right. hours later, he's, he's, yeah, you know, and it's still kind of moving. And I'm getting paranoid. And I'm looking at Joe. I'm like, what the hell is going on, man? Like, why is he not dead? And he goes over a crest and we don't see him any longer. And now there's all these other Rams and they're looking at us, not sure what to do. Well, they get nervous seeing him and they bump over. They end up bumping him far enough. I go over, look, I think they see me. My number one mistake. I definitely screwed up there. They end up seeing me, the whole herd bumps. You know, we follow them a bit, give them a bunch more time. Found liver, like, that had come out. I don't know. You know, followed good blood trail, but as soon as he got bumped, the adrenaline dumped in, he was gone. And we searched. It was two days, that day and two days after that, hopped out of there and said, you know, we couldn't find it. I mean, we were looking for blood. We were grid searching, and a buddy comes in. He's helping. Like, we're just searching and searching and decided to go out for a couple of days and see if, you know, the crows or coyotes or something, you know, something that would help right. us along. Came back in a couple of days by myself, you know, it, my buddies had to get going and look for myself for a couple more days. Just cannot find this thing. I mean, it was heartbreaking, man. All that time in there and sure as heck could not find them. I mean, we, I, I have it like everything, all the uh, the tracking set on my Onyx, and you could just see. I mean, it was just a blob of just the tracking, like where we had walked, and nothing, nothing. So that pretty much ended the season. You know, that was getting towards the end at that point, and 
Yeah, failed, failed. <laughs> and it still burns as bad as the day it happened. So, man, I, I can only imagine. I mean, it, it, and in my opinion, like, yeah, it's, it's so cool to shoot something, something big or, you know, something that's super cool or whatever else. But at the end of the day, you put all this time and effort and energy into shooting your bow, practicing, scouting, and all this stuff. And if all of that preparation culminates to shooting a 140-inch deer or a doe or, or whatever else... And then it makes, then it's not the shot you, that you wanted or the shot that you knew that you were capable of. It hurts no matter what. And, and I can only, I can only imagine, man, I, I've, uh, one year I shot an elk and it's like 46 yards and my arrow shot all the way through him and he went over on 90 yards laid down and I, I'm like, I look over and he's literally got his antlers on the ground. I'm like, he is done for. I'm like, perfect. So I just super quiet. I was all by myself. I go over and I start looking for the air and I pick it up and it looks almost like it's squeegeed clean. And I'm like, what is going on with this? Air? Like, what the heck? Where did I hit him? And I turn and I look over and he's standing up and he just walks away. And the following year I found one of his antlers. I found one of his antlers. So like on the plus side, I know he didn't die, but it was like, what just happened, you know? And, and so I, yeah. I can only imagine, man, like all, yeah, all your effort and time and energy. And, and then that's what, that's what culminates from it. And you're just like, what the hell? Yeah, it is. You know, and it's one of those things that I learned some lessons out of it. And one of those, and you know, afterwards was, uh, Effort, we always want to make, you know, make it sound like effort's almost guaranteeing success. You just got to try hard. And like, and this one, it was one of those, like, no, <laughs> I don't know what else I could have done to put in, you know, I, again, the practice, the scouting, but that's hunting. It's like, there's so much that, you know, there, there's a little bit of luck involved in there. And there's a little bit, yeah, you, you screw up some of these little things and, and you, you know, you, you've tried and you, you put the time in, like you said, and it's, it's maddening at a certain point, you know, you, right. you, you want that successful outcome, but it's not guaranteed to you no matter what you do. So you just, you suck it up and you say to hell with it. And you know, you, you just keep trying harder and harder and you hope next time you don't make those little dumb mistakes that you made before. And those ones, those mistakes that burn so bad like that, those are definitely the ones you're going to remember. Those are the hard learned mistakes. And that that was it on that hunt. You know, I learned give them more time. And if you got to go back down to your tent and sleep in that tent and wait to the morning, even though you think the thing's dead, well, do it anyway. You know, it, it's cold enough nights up there. The meat would have been fine. It's my patience that, you know, that, that got tested. Patience that, you know, that, that's what failed me. I did. I did. I thought that thing, you're, you know, you're dreaming <laughs> pictures of holding this, you know, ram in your hand. You're like, oh, this thing, like, you're, you're looking like, what wall am I going to put them on? You know, like, what's the first meal I'm going to make with this meat? And on and on your head's going. And it ain't done till it's done. And it, I guess it wasn't done there. <laughs> that's all there is. 
Yeah, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not much. I, I'm. I. I would assume that you and I would get along really well. You know, we could probably go do karate in the garage. Um, like, <laughs> be, I mean, being honest, because when I shoot something, especially if I know it's a good shot, I'm like, mm-hmm, he's dead. He's right over there, dead somewhere. Yep. I'm. I'm starting to look right now. I know he's dead. You know, and if. Ugh, is that the right thing to do? Yeah. You know, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, you know, um, you know, you, you always hear the people, well, you got to wait 30 minutes or you got to wait two hours or however the hell long. And it's like, you know what? At yep. some point when I know I made, you know, whatever shot I made, that thing's dead. <laughs> like I'm going to look yeah. right now. And it's only been 10 minutes and I promise you he is dead. Like, so I mean, I, I can I can really relate there to you because I, I mean, if I watched an arrow, uh, what I don't know, what kind of broadhead were you shooting? Uh, severs, severs, dude, sever. They, that's such a great broadhead. Um, and yeah, and I mean, when you draw back and you release your arrow, how far was the shot? Forty-ish yards? Did you say? I don't remember. No, that, that was the degree. It was about 36 degrees down, and the shot was – it was definitely – it was further than 40. Maybe I shouldn't say. Not that far, though. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. But no, I, no. I, you start announcing something like that. Dude, <laughs> dude, I, I know. It. You're good, man. I, I shot an – I shot a mule deer last year in South Dakota at 73 yards and he was, he was quartering to me way harder than I thought he was. And, uh, I just hugged the front shoulder and, and I was shooting an iron wheel on that, that animal. And he went like a hundred yards and rolled down a 30 foot hill. Like, so I'm not, uh, you know, I know that you practice, um, I know there's like my wife, for instance, that woman can shoot a freaking bow. And if we get out there and there's an animal at 85 yards, I'm like, kill it. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know she yeah. can do it. So same with you. Like, and you don't have to say how far he was. But what I'm getting at is it doesn't like if it's a yardage that you're like, oh, this is this is a home run. And you make that shot and yeah. you watch the arrow disappear. It's like. He's dead. He's dead for yeah, sure. That's it. You know, in your brain, it happens that way. But again, you know, it's yep. too, on my end, no excuses. I should have done better. That was my fault. And it, it's a painful lesson to learn. So, so it goes, you know, just, I guess, move on. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, man. It, it stings a good bit. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think that that makes you a passionate hunter. You know, if it was a, if it was a, hmm, oh, well, whatever. Um, I, I would almost venture on the side of like, man, maybe, maybe this shit isn't for you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right? like when you put in that much time, effort and energy, and then it doesn't come out the way that you were expecting it, you know, it should burn just a little bit. So yeah. I, I oh, completely, yeah. I can completely resonate it with that. So, so after your sheep hunt, um, did you, did you have any deer tags or anything like that? Or did you go straight to elk hunting? 
no deer tag this year. Just got a point in uh, Colorado here. But so I went straight to elk hunting. Went to help a buddy. He had a, a deer tag, so went to help him on the way out. He shot one, pulled that deer out with him. And I was heading on up to um, Wyoming. I had a general, just a general tag up there. My first time up to Wyoming to hunt elk. And cool. man, it was, it, it was spectacular. It was good. You remember <laughs> the beginning of September, you'll remember that storm that hit. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I got in there. Oh, God, I think I, I was driving through the storm is the way that worked out. Driving through there, and I got to the spot I had planned out. You know, I, I'd done some scouting. I went up in the late summer, or I mean, early summer. Did a um, what was that late spring? Whatever it was, did a uh, just a couple of days with the bear tag. Your guys' spring bear, just to use that for scouting. Um, you know, and hopefully get a bear, which I didn't. Saw a couple <laughs> nights one, but using that to scout. You know, so I had an idea where I wanted to be. I got in there and I started out that evening. Uh, with just maybe like just I don't know, not even up to the the, the the toes of my boots, the snow. And by the morning, I went out, and I mean it was shin deep. It got you know it was dumping out there. So I ended up just looking on the the weather, you know, and it looked like another mountain range over. It wasn't quite as bad, so I scooted over there, and I got into that storm. And then next four days, I've never, I probably heard more bugling in those four days than all the years I've been hunting. I mean. From morning to evening. Now, now, did I pull anything off on that part? No, I didn't. I, I you know, made a couple of mistakes. There was a couple of ones. You know, I was hoping that for a decent bull at that point. So I was just kind of, you know, playing around in there and just had an absolute blast. Had to go back home, do some work. But went back up there. And at this point, you know, getting later. And I'm getting like, man, you put a lot of time in this season. And we eat a ton of wild game here. You know, between I, you know, me, the wife, and we got two little ones. So it was time, and, and that freezer was looking pretty empty. So the wife was like, why don't you just go shoot something? And I'm like, yeah. I <laughs> You're spending all this time out there, Fred. Just shoot something. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, that's it. And that's, you know, when you go home unsuccessful from that many days of hunting, you start questioning yourself as a bow hunter. So I'm like, all right, this trip, something's got to die. I don't, as, as long as it's legal, it's going to get shot. So first I go in there. It was awesome. Yeah, now at this point it was a lot warmer, so they weren't bugling nearly as much, but got in, it was hot. I sat a wallow and, you know, this was maybe a day after I got there. I was sitting on a wallow and uh, um, it was just a perfect setup. Had the wind, everything right. And in came a cow and just, I don't know, shot that thing at maybe 15 yards, something like so that. So cool. So big, big, yeah, and missing all of its teeth type of thing. Just had, you know, a couple teeth left. So it was a nice old cow. Shot that, just ran, you know, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 yards, died. Wasn't that far in, so I was able to pull her out myself, no issues. Um, came out, and then, you know, I got back to Colorado, and as I always do, I'm like, oh, maybe I need to rest. Well, I start pacing the house, you know, get a little bit of work done. And the like, <laughs> I'll like, be honest, Fred, like, like you, don't, you don't, you don't oh, strike yeah. me as somebody that can just relax ever. Um, no, no, I can <laughs> myself, I can. It never happens. And, you know, the wife's good about it. She knows it's this time of year. She's like, okay, leave. So I go back out. And I'm like, well, I got a couple more days, you know, in, in Colorado. So I'll uh, pick up an OTC tag here. And yeah, did that. Went to a spot I hunted a couple times. Got in there, uh, left in the afternoon. Got in at, uh, you know, just before dark. Slept in the back of my truck. Knew where I was going to go in the morning. Got up in the morning, started hiking in. You know, not that far in, and um, 
let out just a, a weak Google to see what was around and, you know, got a response. So hustled on in, tried another Bugle, didn't work. So I'm like, eh, don't want to get aggressive with this guy. He doesn't sound like he's, you know, got any hot cows nearby. Right. So let out a couple, you know, a couple of cows. He just chirped a little bit and he responded to that. So I just did a little sequence and then just ran my ass off board, got myself in front. Now, the sun's not even up at this point. Got myself in front of a pine tree and I hear crunching all around me. So there's definitely cows in there. And, you know, I just hear sounds like something big's coming, put the binoculars up and 200 yards out. It's a great looking bull. Um, and he's just coming right where I was cow calling. You know, I'm about a hundred yards in front of where I originally started calling, kept my mouth shut, knew he was going to go right towards where I was. Sat there, you know, it's, he's now at like 90 yards and I'm like, Fred, don't do it. You don't need to try to shot, you know, try to get a shot off at 90 yards <laughs> coming right at you. So here comes the patience again, right? And like, learn from your mistakes. So I'm knocked and he's coming in and I see him. He's at 60 and he's still coming and he's just no idea on there. He'll stop every once in a while, listen to the cows around him, and he keeps coming and he keeps coming. Well, I have this spot, you know, ranged off at 30 yards. He, uh, where there's a clump of aspens there and sure as heck he goes right behind him gives me a perfect opportunity to draw drew back he steps out just give him a little chirp to stop him he stops and i mean i got a you know 30 yard shot just aced him and he didn't run far at all and he's on the ground and this is all by 7 30 on the first morning at colorado so you know it's not always the hunting gods kicking in the nuts Sometimes they give you a gimme. Like, there's no reason I deserve that bull. That was the first day, first morning, maybe an hour into the hunt, and had a nice bull on the ground. Dude, that is that is so freaking cool. Like, the just just how things can can transpire and twist and turn, and it, it's just. I, you know, because the same thing, same thing has happened to me. You know, I uh, I went on a hunt a couple years back. I left the truck, and within I don't even know half mile, I found a first elk, and then I heard a bugle, and and nothing transpired that evening. The very next morning, within four hours, I had an elk shot. <laughs> you know, so it's just it. you know, and, 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 and maybe that's what keeps us sometimes motivated when it really sucks out there. You know what I mean? You're you're five, six, seven days in, you haven't seen anything, and just knowing that, especially if you had that experience once, like now I'll always have that, like, Hey man, you know, you got out there and first day an hour in, you got a perfect opportunity. So that kind of reminds you, like you just put that in your back pocket and know that every time you're out there, every morning you wake up is a brand new day. And that, that could happen the next day. And like, you know, using stuff like that mentally to keep you in there, whatever it takes. Right. And, and, and it can happen at any point. So it just really knowing that that's true. I mean, that's, that's a huge benefit to a hunter. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It's, it's putting the weight on the positive side and knowing that there's going to be a hell of a lot of negatives and a lot of hard times. And you're just going to have to deal with those because the upside is well worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, it's part of what we do is just dealing with the suck, you know, and dealing with the boredom <laughs> out there. That, honestly, that's hunting. If you want to have an adrenaline rush the full time you're doing the sport, 
hunting is not for you. I can guarantee that. Now, when we do get that adrenaline dump, it's massive. It's insane when you're sitting there and you see a whitetail or an elk or a prong, whatever it may be, coming in at you. Like, I mean, you're losing your shit at that point. You know, more so than I think a lot of other sports out there. But, man, there, there's a lot of downtime. So you really do need to learn, like, it's not always going to be fun. And as long as you can deal with that and try to keep the best attitude during those times and say, hey, you know, this is just part of the game, it's going to help. Because if you're, otherwise, you're just going to be miserable about 99% of the time out there. <laughs> you know, I, I think that actually brings up a, a completely different topic and a whole different point that I'm sure we could talk about for several minutes is the misery of hunting. And it's like... You hear that, you know, you hear all the sayings and cliche things, something like, you know, embrace the suck or whatever else. But in all honesty, they're quite true. <laughs> like, yeah. like, no matter what way you look at it or go about it, it's just going to go ahead and suck. <laughs> you know, like, it is. like you shoot an elk. And it's time to pack it four or five or six or seven miles or whatever you got back to the vehicle. You know what? It's going to suck <laughs> like every step of the way. But when you get done, I promise you that last load, as you know, Fred, that last load you set on the tailgate or whatever. And it is like, oh, my gosh, I made it. <laughs> It's it. You know, it, 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 hunting more than, gosh, almost any other sport I've done, like, it's just a mental game. You know, it, it is. The whole part of just being willing to stay in there, knowing that you're going to be miserable, you're going to be cold, you're going to be wet, you're not going to see things, you're going to find a million excuses why to convince yourself to leave, eh, work's busy, you know, the wife's going to be mad at me if I'm gone this long. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. On and on. You can find an excuse. Now, can you find a reason to stay in is the real question, and that's the hard one. But, you know, again, going back, finding these little, little silly things, saying, like, well, this could happen at any moment, or... For me, a lot of times it's the photography, like the middle of the day, I'm going to do, there's nothing else to do. Let me go out and snap some pictures, you know, do something else while you're out there, entertain yourself. I mean, on my phone, I have it, you know, the Kindle app on there. So I'll read a book, you know, like do something as long as you're staying in there, do something that, you know, is going to entertain you when that time sucks in there. Text somebody, if you could call, you know, if you got whatever it takes, stay in. That is, I think the key. I'm not a great hunter. But I could stay in, you know, that's, that's the, I think the one advantage I have going for me is that I'm willing to just deal with it and, and stay in the whole time I plan on staying in. Dude. So, so, so true. I mean, um, so many times I've been out there and hunting and just exactly what you're saying. It's not, it's. You know, I've been kicked in the nuts and it's friggin' hard and I'm not seeing or I missed that. That's a big one. You know, all honesty, um, a miss just, man, that just, you know, it kicks you in the nuts and then it kicks you while you're down. (laughs) It's like, it's it's so bad. Oh, so bad. And, and it's not just. As you know, I mean, it's not just, uh, oh man, I miss. Oh, well, well, you know, it's, but it's like, uh, man, not only did I miss, but, um, uh, like, I, you know, not only did I miss, but confidence crusher. yeah, your confidence is like, what did I do wrong? 
I lost a forty-five dollar yeah. arrow. What? Especially when you work so hard, like I, that, you know, the miss I was kind of referring to is that I, I worked freaking hard for that shot, you know, and I just, I just completely screwed it all up and I got, I got it basically all on film too. And you just watch this full metal jacket bounce off the rocks and just disappear into the sunset. <laughs> I actually, I actually did yeah. the complete opposite, Fred. I put it on YouTube. <laughs> oh, brutal, man. I just, you know, I was like, you know what? What the hell? Let's just, you know, we're, we're, uh, yeah. we're, we're going to go wide open. I, I honestly That's try it. and let's be honest with what happens out there. Dude, I try to be as honest as I can possibly be. Cause I, as you know, much like you, I, I, uh, I mean, I guess I don't know how if you do much self filming, but I do. I, I self film almost every single hunt, and I show it all. I show the misses. I show when I slip and I fall down the freaking mountain, which happens all the time. And I, I just why not? You know, I mean, yeah, I I have learned a lot, and and I I have I've shot a lot of animals, but. That doesn't mean that every single time I go out there, I learn freaking more. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Every time I go I out there, for you to show that, yep. yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. That's the problem I think with a lot is like you know everybody thinks like you, you go, especially social media, right? You go on there and you think everybody else is perfect. You're like, God, what am I doing on? I'm a shitty hunter. Like you start getting in your own head about that. No, 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 no. These other guys are missing as much or maybe even more than you are. Right. But they're not showing that. So to show that stuff like, hey, there's times we all suck. It's right. Like, there's a lot of truth to So uh, good for you. Good for you going on the show. I don't go much at all. I just, you know, the, the, the stills is really my thing. But um, Dude, your stills are sweet, though. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I, I always I always love um, love checking out your stills and, and seeing what you got going on Instagram because – you know, I'm not I'm not anywhere near to the level that you are, but I know the amount of time that it takes to, you know, piece together something in Photoshop to where you know, like the, like the one that comes to mind is um, when it looked like you were walking uh, perpendicular to that tree up to your with the tree stand on your back, and yep. and like I know what that takes. It's not like you just took you know one or two pictures and then five minutes later you were done like <laughs> yeah it is yeah, it's yeah. not like that at all and and i think you know i think that has a lot to do with um you know with your following and with people being so interested in what you're posting is because they can tell that what you do takes work you know what i mean 
Yeah, and it does. And the thing is, I enjoy it so much. Like, it's not work to me, of course. You know, I right. love doing it. But yes, it, it, it does take a lot of time, some thought behind it. But, you know, I, I have the, I don't know, I, I, I've worked in Photoshop for a long time now. It was part of my previous career. And, uh, you know, I just like applying it to the hunting world because I, I, I don't know. You can, you can say different things by compositing shots. You know, you can make a little bit more of a story, or you can just something visually interesting and different. Um, I don't know. I enjoy doing it, trying to come up with some of the concepts of, you know, looking at like what we typically do from day to day as hunters, and maybe trying to put a spin on it or you know a, a different approach and a way to see it. I don't know. I, I, I enjoy the the photography part as much probably as the hunting these days, um, you know, especially having a little kid, it's just kind of cool for me to be able to go out there and take these pictures. Um, and they'll be able to see that, you know, what their dad did, you know, cause they're not gonna remember this a three and a five year old geez. I mean, they don't remember, you know, from day to day, let alone, you know, what, what happened now and, and trying to incorporate them into some of the pictures. And, uh, I don't know, just documenting these hunts. Cause I'm a, I'm a lucky guy that gets to hunt, um, a lot of places and, and, um, you know, year round for the most part. And I, I feel like if I'm lucky enough to do that, I should be, you know, trying to document it and maybe inspire. So if somebody sees a picture someplace cool, they could be like, Oh, well, you know, maybe it is obtainable to do that. Cause I'm like anybody else, a blue collar guy. You know, I don't, I don't have, <laughs> there's no trust fund here. There's no, you know, it's just, we live humbly and, and, and this is, you know, kind of our lives as a family and we just find ways of doing all these things. And I'd love to inspire if somebody else saw something on there. It's like, Oh, well, cool. Well, you know, maybe I could do that. Or maybe I could go there and go experience something like that. So that's the whole idea behind the photography end of it. Man. I, I think that's, I think that's super wicked. And, and I think telling the story is, is so powerful especially, you know, I, man, I saw that picture of you and your, your son and the rabbit. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh dude. Uh, remind me how old your son is. He's five. He just he, turned five. Dude, he's five. So I have an eight year old and one that's about to be two. And man, you know, I saw that picture and all these memories and everything started flashing through my mind with my eight year old. And, and, it's just like, like I said, I, I literally got my first camera, Fred. The only reason I bought the camera was so that I could go film my own hunts and then show my dad or my son or now, now my wife, I wasn't married at the time, but now my wife, you know, the adventures that I had and yeah, you know, it's just such a powerful thing being able to just freaking tell the story and share it, you know? It is. It is. You know, and that's, it, it, it is the beauty of it. Like, oh God, that picture, like, I, I cannot describe to you how exciting he held that thing up. Like it was this eight foot tall trophy. He had, like, <laughs> I kept trying to put it in my best. He's like, I'll carry it down. I'll carry it. He just, I, you never know. Cause you go in there and he's seen, you know, we've shot grouse around him and his sister, you know, they, they've seen that whole process. But, you know, it was the first kill of the year that he saw. And you always just kind of look. And, you, you know, I'm looking at his eyes and he sees he sees the rabbit. I'm like, you want me to shoot him? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you realize how natural it is to, to kids. Like it's not it's not until we get older and we get these crazy ideals and, and we become so detached from nature and, and where our food comes from. But for him as a five-year-old, that was as natural as – 
you know, a, an adult going to the grocery store and, and buying something. It was, it was odd to see, like, it, it reminded me how much we implant those thoughts into people um, that, neg- you know, honey could be a negative thing or we're killing animals. Yeah, it's a powerful thing to kill an animal. There's no doubt about it. You know, we are taking a life, but it is a natural thing. And especially when you see a five-year-old that it's not jaded, doesn't have any manifestos in their head or anything else of the sort. It was natural to him. And he ran over there after he was shot and he picks it up. And it was amazing. Him. And that night, you know, we made a, a rabbit curry and, and he ate it. His sister ate it. Like it was, you know, just like it would be anything else on the plate. I don't know. It was just cool. Proud moment as a father, so. <laughs> Dude, 100%. 100%, man. I, uh, you know, going out with my son, I, and I remember I remember the first elk antler that he found literally all by himself. And it, it, it was kind of the same thing. You know, I'm like, I hadn't even found an antler yet. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and he comes over and he's holding this six-point antler. I was like, Dad! You know what I'm like? Oh Holy shit! I'm like, <laughs> what you little brat? Like, where the heck was yeah. that thing? You like, know? <laughs> oh my god! Good thing I let you find it, son. Ah, dude, but that. But it's a, the memories, man. You know, that's it. Just being able to share with your kids, but that's the same thing with the photography. Just being able to share with everybody. You know? Like, yep. I, I don't know. I mean. It's, not that it means anything to anybody else, but you know, I, I, I like traveling and, and hunting and you know, maybe that would inspire somebody else like, well, maybe instead of just going to Disney World this year with the kids, maybe we go to Hawaii because it's way cheaper and the whole family can enjoy it and there's, you know, awesome ocean and it's and you can hunt. I don't know, just different ideas. Just you know, I, I it, it's an awesome, really cool world we live in and I think people should explore it and I don't know, do all these cool things before it. Cause man, we don't have that much time left. <laughs> None of us do, you know? So it's, it's a short life we're given if, you know, so take advantage. Dude, 100%, 100%. Well, Fred, I cannot thank you enough for hopping on the podcast as always. Um, you know, you've appeared several times on, uh, my personal podcast, but this is the first time on the Outdoor Edge podcast, and as always, it's an absolute blast, man. I, I, I you know, I don't know. I, I think we just, I think we have some a lot of stuff in common, and we could probably talk for several hours. Um, but you know, true to podcast world, I, I would love to have you back on the podcast, and we can figure out a couple topics to dive into once again. Um, but. I just, I really, really appreciate you taking the time out this evening to hop on the show. Absolutely, Zach. Anytime, and uh, yeah, we'll jump back on maybe as the season progresses, and we'll uh, we'll talk again. Thank you for listening in. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. We hope to have you tuning in for the next episode.